especially in today's era with uh, everything that's happening with the limitations on how a woman can manage her own body legally, it's incredibly important that you try to plan um, conception um, if if at all possible. And if you find out um, later after the fact to meet with your healthcare team as soon as possible. We're very fortunate to have with us Dr. Khadija Brethet. You know, you are an authority on this topic because you have studied nearly 105,000 patients admitted to intensive care unit with heart failure. And you actually made this report in 2018 in Reuters Health. So, you know, is the problem better in 2023? Uh, for instance, when after pregnancy, a woman develops heart failure in a condition we call postpartum cardiomyopathy. It's not so common, but what symptoms should point a woman to think that this shortness of breath is more than usual or that might make the doctor think this is more than a normal pregnancy symptom? And that's something you're going to have to talk to your doctor about and make sure that you have the regular prenatal visits as well as post-pregnancy visits to identify this because it is common to have shortness of breath during pregnancy. And especially if it's your first child, how are you supposed to know what's normal and what isn't? Um, so having the regular visits is really important. Um, if you're having swelling in the um, the feet, swelling in the abdomen that might seem um, different from just the obviously the growth of the, the fetus. These are things to um, watch out for. If you're having increased shortness of breath, going up the stairs that you didn't have before, swelling of the feet, having blood pressure that's elevated, things to be worried about, things to address with your with your physician or with your advanced practice practitioner. There's some other things that as healthcare professionals, we can look on exams, such as the jugular venous pressure that can help us quickly identify that this might be related to the heart. Oftentimes, if we're not sure, we get an echocardiogram, which is an ultrasound to look at the heart chambers to see if there are any abnormalities. But it really requires a, a someone that's going to listen to you and think, could this be? And one excellent way, I think, to address this, and I, I can't remember the name, but it's, I believe, I'm trying to remember what type of career, I can't remember if she's an internal medicine resident, probably has completed a residency by now, but she had a really great TikTok that said, to address these things with your healthcare professional, ask them what's the differential. What is their differential for your shortness of breath, for your swelling? That actually forces an individual to think out loud about what are the different things that it could be or could not be and to address why is that the case. And that's sometimes enough to just help a person realize, well, gee whiz, it could be this. Maybe I should look for heart failure or preeclampsia because that's one of the main issues is when it's missed or when the symptoms are ignored. 
So get somebody that you trust, get somebody that's going to listen to you. And if you're not having that relationship, please try to get someone else. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. You know, so I speak of a true scenario in which a woman had heart failure, had a heart transplant, then got pregnant. This was first reported in 1988 by Lewinstein and his colleagues in Buenos Aires, Argentina, and published in the American Journal of OBGYN uh, paper. And they titled it Successful Pregnancy and Vaginal Delivery After Heart Transplantation with Good Outcomes for Mother and Infant. And I say, what a feat. So please, again, Dr. Breathed, as you help us understand advanced treatment of heart failure, why now in 2023 has the number of women of childbearing age who have received heart transplants increased? Well, I think part of that is related to just the age, maternal ages increasing for when individuals uh, decide to conceive. And that's part of the relationship because the the transplants that are happening with um, women compared to men is unchanged for multiple decades. It's less than a quarter of all heart transplants go to women. So I really believe that's part of it, just the, the changing um, age and recognizing that more heart transplants go to adults than to pediatric um, individuals. And we also know that the, those with congenital heart disease are actually living longer and into their adult years as well. And I do want to iterate that, you know, it's so you can still get pregnant post a heart transplant. It's just you need to plan it out and plan it out with your healthcare team, especially in today's era with uh, everything that's happening with the limitations on how a woman can manage her own body legally. It's incredibly important that you try to plan um, conception um, if if at all possible. And if you find out um, later after the fact to meet with your healthcare team as soon as possible so that um, changes can be made because there are certain medications with either heart failure, with heart transplant that can be harmful to the fetus. And you want to do things in a way that are safe for you as well as for your child. Now, there's some settings where we may advise that it might not be a great idea for you to proceed given um, risk that you currently have. So particularly if you have heart failure that's not controlled, you have a heart transplant that's not with appropriate function or with recent prior rejection, it's probably not a good idea to proceed with conception um, if you have the the option to make that decision just because of the increased risk of um, dying and um, having bad outcomes occur with you or with your child are higher in those settings. But if there are things that you want to do, if this is something you really care about doing to please meet with your healthcare team as soon as possible to help make those plans. And in the meantime, use contraception. Wow. Wow. Thank you. And, um, hmm. you know, I can just imagine the risks and the fear of having heart failure, then getting a heart transplant, then getting pregnant. And you did start talking about preconceptional counseling, which I want to talk about as a big preventative thing. But before we get there, people talk about 
a heart attack and heart failure. They use these words. And can you explain to us how they are actually different? The word heart attack and heart failure. It is heart disease, heart attack, cardiovascular disease, heart failure, all have different meanings. But for the two that you asked, so for a heart attack, we're talking about the three main blood vessels that feed the heart. They can have blockages, kind of like a straw. If you're sucking on a straw, there's something that gets caught in, can't suck anymore. Um, That's what essentially happens with a heart attack. You have a dislodge of what we call plaque that blocks the blood vessel and leads to no blood flow to that area of the heart and leads to the heart being attacked. And that can increase your risk of dying. And so there are a lot of things you can do, lifestyle changes, treatment of like your high blood pressure, high cholesterol, healthy weight, good sleep, good exercise, um, maintaining weight, things to do to help reduce your risk of having a heart attack. And actually the same things can help reduce your risk of helping heart failure. And heart failure is either an issue with the improper squeeze of the heart during um, systole, which is what kind of the, the pumping of the heart to get blood to the body, or issues with relaxation of the heart that contributes to um, improper blood flow as well. So heart works in many different ways, electrical, pump, blood vessels that feed the heart that can all go awry uh, and lead to different types of heart problems. But those two are distinct and a heart attack is often the cause of heart failure. Well, thank you. And so, you know, as a preventative thing, family planning and pregnancy, including an individualized mother and baby risk assessment, talking about alternatives, talking about the right time to get pregnant, are all the things that are discussed with all women of childbearing age, especially those undergoing cardiac transplantation, because many of the transplant recipients nowadays are fertile. What are some of the reasons to offer a woman of childbearing age a heart transplant? So it's the same as they are for for others as well. So usually it's related to having heart failure that's um, no longer controlled in what we would call end-stage heart failure. And it may be due to um, coronary artery disease. It may be due to high blood pressure. It may be due to the genes. It may be due to peripartum cardiomyopathy. It may be due to having breast cancer and the chemotherapy agent led to heart failure. And it's a whole host of different things that can cause heart failure, including ones where um, we don't even know what the cause is, or we call it idiopathic because we're idiots. We don't know the cause of the heart failure that can all be reasons to um, that contributed to the disease that led to end stage or advanced heart failure warranting a heart transplant. So if a woman has also had like a congenital heart defect that is corrected, she could, uh, well, part of the treatment could be offering heart transplantation. Yes, absolutely. And so again, this is something 
What we do is incredibly specialized um, in a limited number of places in the country that offer these therapies. And there's still some healthcare professionals that don't know that all of these different therapies exist. And so it's glad that you're listening to the podcast today to help educate yourself and know if you develop these symptoms or you hear these words um, to seek a specialist, um, find out who has the nearest center near you. Um, the Association of Black Cardiologists has a list of um, Black cardiologists throughout the U.S., um, which you can gain access to um, by reaching out on that. I think there's a, like a patient portal on the website. But these are the things you have to do to make sure that you get the, the best treatment for yourself and totally get to a point where everyone is guaranteed equitable care, irrespective of their race, ethnicity, or sex. Thank you so much for that. With respect to timing of pregnancy, most experts recommend that cardiac transplant recipients avoid pregnancy during the first year post-transplantation. And this is because the risk of rejection is greatest and the medications that we use to suppress the body's immune system to be able to accept the new heart is most aggressive in this first year. But Dr. Brethead, what could go wrong with having a new heart and getting pregnant? So the, like you said, that's a major issue during the first year during heart transplant, because that's when you also have the greatest risk of rejection, where essentially your this new organ doesn't isn't believed to be a part of your body anymore and your body starts to attack it because it's foreign. So there are medications that are used to help prevent your, your body from attacking it. And the longer you live with more time, you're less likely to attack it with medications that are used to help suppress your regular immune system. And the dose that's needed oftentimes can be decreased. There are other risks that come up <laughs> longer from heart transplant. Um, but during the initial years, the biggest things we're concerned about are rejection and also risk of infection. So definitely it's better if you can be like at least a year after the heart transplant. And again, incredibly important to discuss these things with your healthcare team so that a plan could be put in place. And this definitely includes using reliable contraception. So say at least two or more things. Um, if, you're, if it's going to be a condom, condom plus um, oral contraceptive. Um, the best is either an IUD or something like an implanted um, form of hormone um, contraceptive, just because it has a higher reliability of protection. And given that in this current year, um, Throughout the U.S., depending on where you live, you may not be able to make decisions in the setting of a pregnancy that may not be desired or um, unplanned. So very important that you do the preparatory work to help prevent pregnancy when it's not desired and when desired to plan for it and make the appropriate steps in place to help protect yourself, because this can be incredibly devastating. Um when not planned. Oh, wow, thank you. You know, um, female heart transplant recipients are able to carry pregnancies successfully. I know as an OBGYN, the complications for mom could be 
infection and rejection, like you said, and just the mom surviving the whole process. For the babies, there's a high incidence of prematurity because of we might have to deliver early and then with prematurity comes low birth weight. But what are the risks of subsequent pregnancies on the mom in female transplant recipients? So she got a transplant, she got pregnant once, she did well. Well, she decides to get pregnant again. Are, are, are there cumulative risks in this scenario? I think we're still in an area where we don't have the best amount of data, although there's a growing amount of data. There's a registry. I think it's now an international, um, I think, transplant pregnancy registry international to help collect some of this data. But it's not necessarily true if you had one pregnancy post-transplant, it went well that you can't have another pregnancy. It's all dependent on the individual's risk factors. How is their heart doing? Have they had any rejection? What medications are they currently on? Are you on medications that are safe for both the mom and the fetus? Um, And making those decisions together are important ones to consider. Now, it's different if we're talking about a person that has peripartum cardiomyopathy and their EF is still low or their EF is pretty poor, they keep coming in and out of the hospital and their heart failure isn't controlled. The risks for those different women are different. Again, important to have these discussions early on with your healthcare team, which should include uh, um, a heart failure transplant cardiologist, likely someone from MFM, as well as your OBGYN to help figure out what's the best way to do this. And if it's already happened, still come as soon as possible so that we can come up with a plan that can be made safely um, to help reduce risks for both the mother as well as the fetus. And you talked about EF. Can you just explain that ejection fraction? What is the normal number for that? You know. Sure. So the ejection fraction um, is essentially the percent uh, that the blood, that the heart is squeezing out of the heart um, with every beat, um, kind of simplified. So a normal would be 60% or more, but you can still have heart failure with uh, ejection fraction that's 60% or more. We call that heart failure with preserved ejection fraction. And that's usually patients that have more an issue with the heart relaxing rather than an issue with the heart squeezing. And so it it can get complex and it can be hard to diagnose if you don't know what you're looking for or if you're not as familiar with the disease. And so again, if you're having issues, shortness of breath, not going away, swelling in your legs, your abdomen, increased fatigue, you're not getting answers. See if you can see a cardiologist. See if you can see a heart failure transplant cardiologist. It's not uncommon for patients to be misdiagnosed before they find out that they have heart failure, that they have that they have something called pulmonary hypertension, which are pressures that are elevated in the blood vessels that go out of the heart into the lungs. So Having the right healthcare team is incredibly important to having the the right diagnosis, making sure that you're not being ignored and that your symptoms and questions are being answered too. Thank you. 